Our first reading today is taken from Genesis 37, 1 to 20. Let's hear the word of God. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's line, family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he has been born to him in, an, in his old age and had made an ornate robe for him. When his brother saw that the father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We, are binding, we were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told this to his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him because his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent them off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived, at Shechem, a man found him wandering about, around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they, but they saw him in the distance, and, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. He comes, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. And throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, then we will see what comes out of his dreams. 
Here ends the reading. The Gospel reading is taken from John 15, verses 1 to 8. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Loving God, we thank you for uh, your word, for all the the stories that are held there within, and for your encouragement and challenge uh, to remain in you, to abide in you, that we may grow uh, and that we may produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Please do be seated. So, over the next three weeks, the next three Sundays, we're going to be thinking a little bit about what it means to grow in faith. That's why I chose the John reading uh, for today. What it means to live our stories in the here and now in light of the story of God and the fact that we indwell that story with our own Uh, Over the next two weeks, the two weeks to come, um, I'm hoping that we're going to be hearing more from, in a sort of interview style, from members of our congregation about how they have grown in faith, um, and that they can give a bit of a testimony about that, uh, because I think it's good for us to hear from each other um, about how walking with God makes a difference in our lives, what it means in the here and now. But I thought I would kick us off uh, by looking at one of the characters of scripture. Uh, So to bring it from those pages up until uh, the here and now and how you are living your lives and growing in God. Uh, And so I've chosen Joseph, uh, whose life is written about over many years with its own twists and turns and example of growing in faith. The story of Joseph is one of those stories of the Bible 
which is perhaps better known to us, not least because uh, it was the basis for that great Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, uh, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And some of us, who were teenagers in the 80s, uh, remember that moment when Jason Donovan uh, was cast as Joseph, and suddenly the idea of going to see a musical based on a biblical story uh, was cool. Uh, in the end, when uh, Quinton and I ended up going to see the musical in the 2000s, I think, uh, the role had been taken over by H from Steps. Not quite the same thing. However, he was really very good because it was a matinee showing and there were literally about 50 of us in this massive theatre. But they really pulled out the stops and gave us a a good show. So we know something of the story of Joseph, but just to make sure, and I thought we probably couldn't talk this much about Joseph without seeing a little bit uh, from the musical Uh, Just to make sure that we all remember how this story began, I'm going to show you a video now of a very 90s version of Joseph to make sure that we're all up to speed. Never really loved another all my life. Joseph was 
by joy because he reminded me of her. Through young Joseph, Jacob lived his youth again, loved him, praised him, gave him all he could, but then it made the rest feel second best. And even if they were being told we're Joseph's story is fascinating because it gives us insight into how groups, communities, families work and how patterns of behavior function to sort of perpetuate what we would call a kind of narrative history throughout groups and communities and families. There are stories, aren't they, that we tell about ourselves and our particular group 
This happened. We are like this. This is who we are. Joseph is the favored son of Jacob. Who was the favored son of Rebecca, Isaac's wife? Isaac, who was the favored son of Abraham, the one who was called with Sarah to be the ancestor of our faith. And Jacob, as the favored son of Rebecca, experienced something that was because of his favoredness meant he became estranged from his family. His brother wanted to kill him. That pattern comes up later. He found himself alone and in a strange land, being swindled and doing his own fair share of swindling. And so here is Joseph, a favored son. One wonders if Jacob had learnt any lessons from his household. And so we join the story of Joseph uh, as he is young, 17. He is at the height of his moving from being a child into an adult. He's a strapping young man, full of youth and vigor. And on top of this, he has his father's favoritism to give him every sense that he is the absolute center of the universe. He's given a coat of kings to wear, the job of telling tales on his brothers for not looking after the sheep properly, which can only serve to increase his status with his father. His star is on the rise. I think as is the way sometimes he thinks himself a bit invincible. And he's not able to, or he simply doesn't want to, think about what it means to have power and influence in this way. It wasn't necessarily a power and influence that was inherent. It was being given to him. And he doesn't think about what that means and how he should use it. He certainly doesn't seem to have a clue that he is disenchanting himself with his brothers. Reading his story at this point, I do wonder who you feel you identify with. Do you think that the brothers are jealous, sore losers Malingerers who deserve to have their poor shepherding skills highlighted to their father? Or do you think that Joseph deserves to be taken down a peg or two? As is always the way, we can't purely make goodies and baddies out of either of these sets of people, Joseph and his brothers. It would be neater, it would be how some stories work, uh, but uh, that's not how our human stories work, and it certainly isn't how Joseph's story works. It would be neater if we could just say that either Joseph deserved all that was coming to him, um, or that he was the poor beleaguered hero of our story. He's a bit of both. 
And our stories are also always made up of all kinds of checkered patterns. And as we find with Joseph, as we look on in his story, this doesn't mean that God is with us any less. But that faith is a journey and that there is growing to do. And so into this rather, shall we say, obnoxious young man's life. That's where I am with Joseph. Uh, He's given another gift. And you think, really? Has he not had enough? Not just another gift, but one that seems to say that he is indeed as important as he has been led to believe. He knew it all along. He's given his two dreams. Now I wonder what you think he should have done with his dreams. What do we do with our dreams? His dreams in which first his brothers and then his parents and his brothers bow down to him. Because in the end, these dreams, as we'll see... They come to pass, but perhaps not quite in the way that Joseph had interpreted or imagined. He'd taken his own dreams and he'd told himself a story about how important he was. His dreams were not wrong, they weren't incorrect, but in them, his interpretation of them, Joseph is indeed the center of the whole world. The sun revolves around him. He has yet to understand that his story is part, an important part, a valued part, but still a part of a rich tapestry of stories woven together to tell the story of God in the world. And that God uh, is the main character in that story. God is the center and not him. And so in his pride, he fails to see that his brothers are going to reach breaking point. And his father also neglects to see this and sends him to give report on his brother's shepherding. And as Joseph goes to find them, not where they're meant to be, as it happens... They see him in the distance and they plot to get rid of him. We know some of this uh, story. In fact, his oldest brother, Reuben, tries to save him from being killed, but his plan is foiled and Joseph ends up being sold as a slave into Egypt. But there Joseph gains favor. He's being favored again in the household of the Pharaoh's captain of the guard, Potiphar. And at this point in Joseph's journey, it says, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. But through a, shall we say, tricky incident with Potiphar's wife, Joseph ends up in prison in Egypt. So he's gone there, he's a slave, he raises, he's raised up again, finds favor, 
And yet here he is in prison in Egypt. And it is in prison that the text says to us that Joseph prospered and that the steadfast love of God was with Joseph. Another way of interpreting or translating that is this this steadfast love, it comes from um, a word which is related to the word womb. So it's like this womb love of God is with Joseph. That kind of love uh, which will defend at all costs. Whilst Joseph is in Egypt, in prison in Egypt. Joseph, who in Hebron with his father had everything, who thought he was the center of the universe, ends up in slavery and in prison in Egypt. And it is here that it is said, God is with him. God is with us in the heights and depths of our journeys. And sometimes we may even discover that the depths are our heights. And so no surprise, in prison, Joseph prospers. The chief jailer shows him favor and puts him in charge. And then there are dreams. Dreams that got Joseph into trouble in the first place. But this time, the dreams don't belong to Joseph. The chief baker and chief cupbearer of the Pharaoh's household have found themselves in prison with Joseph. And they both have dreams. And they share their dreams with Joseph. And they ask Joseph to help them. Come on, Joseph. You are the interpreter of dreams, aren't you? They belong to you. You are the one who knows. And Joseph says this. So he's had his journey from Hebron, from the heights, to being imprisoned in Egypt. He's asked to interpret dreams. And he says, do not interpretations belong to God? Joseph, haven't you grown? From a young boastful lad who thought he was the center of the universe, something has shifted. Do not interpretations belong to God. He no longer thinks he has all the answers. And so the baker and cupbearer, after Joseph gives an interpretation, which is from God, which is God's interpretation, the baker and cupbearer go to their respective ends. Um, and you'll have to read that for yourself. Um, Spoiler, one of them doesn't make it. But anyway, um, so Joseph waits in jail. And it comes to pass a few years later, so Joseph has been in jail all that time, 
A few years later, Joseph's still in jail, that Pharaoh has a dream. And his cupbearer, so do the math, uh, who is still around, suddenly remembers. Oops. I think I was meant to say something about this earlier. My bad. There's a guy in prison. He interprets dreams. So Joseph is brought out of prison. And Pharaoh says, I hear you interpret dreams. And Joseph says, it is not I. God will give you a favorable interpretation. Joseph has grown even more in his time in prison. He's entirely changed perspective and taken himself out of the equation. It is not I, God. It is not I, God. What a transformation from a young man who thought he was the center of the universe. And we know, if you've read the story, that this all works out for the good of Joseph. His family are reconciled with a little bowing to Joseph from his brothers and his mother and father along the way. Joseph saves Egypt from famine and the people of Israel are established in Egypt. But that's another story. But we often focus on that part of the story, this kind of meta-narrative of Joseph's story about how it places them in Egypt so that years into the future Moses can do his stuff. But this is also Joseph's story. His story is not just their story, it's his story. How he moved in his understanding of his place in the universe. And how it changed his perspective and his future. How it meant that even in prison, he could know that womb love of God. How he saw his value and purpose in the great and wonderful story of God and not just in his own status. And could then say at the end of his story, if you go to chapter 50, the end of Genesis, his brothers, his father Jacob has died and his brothers are still worried that Joseph is harboring a grudge about being sold into Egypt. And Joseph says to his brothers, Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Am I in the place of God? Joseph, once the brash young dreamer, no longer at the center of his own universe, sees with clarity 
how his story has been woven in to God's story. And so Joseph, over his life, grows, grows in his faith, in wisdom and courage and kindness in the end to his brothers. He says, have no fear. So over these next few weeks, have a think. How does your story tell the story of God? in the life that you have been given? How have you grown? There's a um, Twitter hashtag going on at the moment, which is, um, I can't can't remember what it is now, but it's, um, it's people writing, dear myself 10 years ago, or something like that. What is it? Dear me 10 years ago, there we go. Dear me 10 years ago. And so I wonder what Joseph, being on Twitter, would have written at the end of his life to that young man at the beginning. And what would we write to ourselves 10 years ago? And how might you have seen in these last 10 years what God has done in your lives and how you have grown? Do have a look at that Twitter uh, hashtag if you're on Twitter. It's quite interesting. And I began to wonder if I would suddenly get a a little Twitter message from myself in 10 years and what that would look like. What's my my time going to be over the next little while? So have a think. We're going to hear from one another over the next few weeks. Um, So it's not just Joseph, however many thousands of years ago. It's here and it's now and it's in the lives that you tell uh, with God. Let's pray.